Hello, and welcome to the Write Good Podcast. I'm Dr. Krista Kerlinkis, and I am the owner of Write Good, grant writing and communications for the greater good. In the last episode of the Write Good Podcast, I talked about how to communicate with your community. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to that episode yet, you really should. In it, I talk about the difference between community outreach and community engagement and why community engagement is a much more effective strategy and a strategy that is more respectful and empowering to the community that you serve. Basically, community engagement is a nonprofit strategy that recognizes the most effective programs and projects are the ones that include community members as partners. No one knows the needs of the community better than the people in it. So community engagement means listening to community members to learn about their needs and how your work can best address those needs. This is where interviewing comes in. So today I'm going to talk to you about why interviewing program participants and stakeholders is important, how you can conduct effective interviews, including some of the most important questions you can ask, and how you can approach interviewing in fun and innovative ways. First, let's talk about a few of the reasons you will want to interview your program participants or stakeholders. First, as I've mentioned, You can learn a lot about your community's needs from interviews. Knowing about these needs will help you to design new programs that make a bigger impact than you ever could have made if you just based the design on what you knew about the community. Certainly, you can look at demographic data and assess other programs and other work that is being done in this area, but there's nothing as effective as going straight to the source to the people and asking them what needs they have and how they could best be addressed. For example, let's say you have ideas for two different programs. Maybe you're thinking about creating a program to improve the health and wellness of people in your community. Your two ideas are to either create a community garden that teaches people about the value and potential of growing their own food and helps them do it. And your second idea is to start a free community kitchen in which people can come and take classes about cooking healthy, nutritious meals. So you could interview the people that would be coming to your garden or to your community kitchen about which program idea sounds most appealing to them. This information is also going to come in handy when you are writing grant proposals to get funding for this program, but more on that later. The second reason you should be conducting interviews is that you can learn more about the needs that are already being met by interviewing other nonprofits in the area and community leaders. This is important because you want to make sure that you are not duplicating services in your programs. Foundations love to know that if they award you funding, the money will be going to meet needs that are not yet being addressed in your area. By talking to other nonprofit leaders in the community, you will also learn more about what has been working and what hasn't. For example, you can learn from them what types of programs have been successful, what types have not, and maybe some of the best ways to recruit program participants. Developing a relationship with other nonprofits might also open the door for future collaboration. I've said it before, but I'll say it again, grant makers love collaborative projects. The next reason you should be conducting interviews is because you can actually learn about the effectiveness of your existing programs. 
Once you have created a program and have people participating in it, you can continue learning from them through interviews. What you learn in these interviews will be helpful in continuing to improve your program design, another thing that grant makers love. So you can find out what's working well and what can be improved throughout the process. Many foundations will also want you to do reporting after you get funding from them. Interview data from your participants is a great way to demonstrate the success of your work to the grantmaker. The next reason you should definitely be conducting interviews is that a lot of the information that you gather can be used in your grant proposals. Like I said earlier, what you learn from your members about what needs they have, what programs have best addressed those needs, and how all of that can be included and create great mini narratives or micro narratives in your proposal. This will give you support in your statement of need, your program design explanation, and possibly other areas of your grant proposal as well. In addition to telling stories about your program participants, you can also use direct quotes from them. Of course, all of this is with their permission. And if you have sensitive populations that you're dealing with, make sure you do anonymize those quotes and stories if applicable. And the final reason that we're going to share for conducting interviews and doing so regularly is not only can the information that you gain in those interviews be used in grant proposals, you can also use them in your PR marketing materials. You can add quotes from program participants to your website as testimonials. You can add videos. You can share them on social media. All of this creates a great emotional appeal to donors, to grant makers, to volunteers, and is going to be helpful in attracting new donors, volunteers, and grant makers. All right, now you know just how impactful interviews are to the success of your nonprofit. Now let's talk about how to conduct effective interviews. A lot of people don't have a ton of experience with interviews. When I first got started with doing interviews as a graduate student for my research, it was a little bit awkward, and I had to get used to making it more like a conversation than a series of static questions. And overall, I want you to make that a goal. Look at this as more of a conversation than an interview, and don't go into it thinking it has to be formal and stiff. It's all about making your subject comfortable to get the data that you need. So my first piece of advice for doing that is to prepare for the interview and help your interview subject prepare for the interview as well. Preparation is one of the most important parts of conducting a successful interview. So probably about 90% of how well the interview goes is going to depend on what you did before you even started. So not only do you have to prepare for the interview, but you also have to make sure the person you're interviewing knows what to expect. So send them a list of questions that you plan on asking them. Even if you don't have a full list, that's okay. Just make sure that you give them a good idea of what you'll be asking so they can think about what they want to say ahead of time. We've all been put on the spot and had no idea how to answer a question or came back to it, you know, an hour later or days later and thought, oh man, I wish I had said that. So give them the time to do just that. Besides sending your subject a list of questions, you'll also want to get ready for the interview by learning a little bit about who you're interviewing ahead of time. This might seem like a no brainer, but you'd be surprised how many people go into interviews cold. 
So here are a few things you might want to know. If they are a program participant, you'll want to know how long they've been involved with your organization. You might track when they came into the program, how they found out about the program, what all they've done in the program, what their experience has been like. Let's say that you have several people in the program that have worked with them. You may want to speak with them a bit beforehand because sometimes there are stories that don't occur to them to tell you. But let's say one of their instructors or program managers has a great story about them that you would have never heard unless you'd asked them ahead of time. So in the interview, you can say, hey, instructor A told me about this time that you did this. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Knowing these things ahead of time will help you ask much more relevant questions, which means you're going to get a lot more out of the interview. The same thing goes for interviewing volunteers and other stakeholders as well. The next thing you need to do to have a stellar interview is ask good questions. Now, of course, the question that follows that is what is a good question? Of course, I can't just tell you what questions to ask because that all depends on who you're interviewing, for what reason, the situation, so many other things. But I'm going to share some general tips for writing good interview questions. First, have an overall goal for the interview. So, Get out a piece of paper or pull up your Word doc on your computer and answer the following. What do I want to learn from the person I'm talking to? Put it in one sentence. So, for example, if you're interviewing program participants to learn about their experiences in your programs, you can ask them something like, can you tell me a little bit about an experience you had in... XYZ program name that felt like you were learning or doing something valuable. Or if you were interviewing a community member about needs that exist, you could ask them something like, imagine your community in two years. What change would you most like to see occur? You'll notice that these questions are fairly open-ended. Questions that ask people to tell stories rather than give yes or no answers are what we're going for. They allow the interviewee to pick the specific experiences they want to talk about and tell you what they think is the most important piece of information about it. Asking your interview subject questions that prompt answers in the form of stories will also encourage them to talk about moments of change. That is just a natural part of storytelling for people to include a conflict, a turning point, and a resolution. This makes for great data. When you're writing your interview questions, another thing you need to keep in mind is that even though you're trying to evoke stories about specific things, you don't want to ask your interviewee leading questions. For example, you shouldn't say something like, so our program was very helpful to you. Can you tell me why? Questions like this are not going to get you good data. What if your interviewee didn't find your program helpful? You'll learn more from the interviews if you allow them to answer honestly. So write the questions out ahead of time, go back over them, and double check when you're done to make sure that none of them are leading to a specific kind of positive response. But keep in mind, if all you do is read from your questions, the interview is going to feel mechanical and impersonal. So 
Another thing that I encourage you to do is as you're listening to their responses, write down some follow-up questions. So that doesn't mean not pay attention to their responses, but when something brings up something for you, go ahead and write the question down quickly so that you can come back and ask them a follow-up question. So follow-up questions may ask them to define something a term that they used, or give more explanation to an evaluation that they gave of something. You might also ask them, can you tell me more stories about that? Or can you give me more examples about that? You might also probe into the why of their answer. So if someone is giving you pretty perfunctory answers, and maybe even they're telling you a story, but they're not telling you the why. So you always want to get to the explanation of why they think it's relevant, why the story they're telling you had an impact, etc. Overall, my best advice on follow-up questions is to stay conversational. Practice active listening to pick out the key parts of their responses and just ask them to expand upon those. If they ask you what you mean or why you want to know more about that, just tell them you found it interesting. And if you can tell them why you found it interesting, add that. I found it interesting because it might be because no one's ever said that before, or because we're interested in doing more of what you just talked about, something like that. My third piece of advice for a successful interview takes place again before the interview even begins. And that is make sure your interview subject is comfortable. For most people, their main experiences with interviews are job interviews. And we all know the nerves that go into that. But these interviews are different in a lot of ways from job interviews. So you want to make sure that your interview subject is comfortable and not on edge. And the interview isn't pulling up those bad memories and associations for them. So a few ways to do that are allow your interviewee to pick the location or offer location options that will be comfortable to them and, of course, safe for you. Ideally, pick something familiar to them. Another way to make sure they're comfortable is just, again, start off the interview very conversationally, not using your questions. You can also tell them there is not a right or wrong answer and that whatever answers they give will help your nonprofit better design programs in the future. You also want to avoid talking over your interviewee. Always make sure you let them finish their answers and don't even say, okay, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, while they're speaking. So there are a couple reasons for this. First of all, you should be recording these interviews and you don't want to break up their audio with your responses and verbal confirmations. So tell them ahead of time, I won't be interrupting you and I won't be saying yes and, and giving you verbal confirmation and assurances throughout because I want to hear everything you say and I don't want to interrupt you. Now, this might mean you have some pauses, which can feel awkward at first, but these pauses are also thinking time for the interviewee. So remember, this doesn't have to be constant talking. There can be quiet points. That's actually a good thing. My fourth piece of advice for successful interviews is to pay attention to nonverbal cues. People say a lot without words and paying attention to things like body language, facial expressions, and gestures will help you get more out of your interviews. For example, if the interviewee is starting to look uncomfortable, you can adjust your approach or let them know that they don't have to answer a question if they don't want to. Sometimes people make hand gestures that suggest something like, you know what I'm talking about. 
You should always encourage your interview subject to explain fully what they're thinking when you see them make a gesture like this. So ask them a follow-up question at that point if you think there's more that they have to say based on that. My fifth piece of advice is to both record the interview and take some minor notes by hand. If you've ever read advice on the internet for conducting interviews, you've probably seen people say that you should either record or take notes. I say you should do both. And this comes from doing dozens and dozens of interviews for my doctoral research. You need to have both, again, so you can capture nonverbal things, things that come up for you that you might forget later if you're just listening to a recording. And the recording also helps you catch things that you won't remember or just didn't take note of in the moment while you're writing your notes. So I've found also that taking notes helps make sure I'm listening actively And the notes that I take will help direct my interest as I listen to the recording later. When you do take notes, though, make sure you're not constantly writing. Make sure to maintain eye contact with the person you're interviewing, you know, intermittently. You shouldn't be staring into their eyes the whole time and making them uncomfortable. But if you've never let up on the writing, they might feel anxious and on the spot like you're evaluating every single thing that they say. And then at the end of the interview, make sure you genuinely thank the interviewee. When someone agrees to do an interview with you, they are volunteering their time, energy, and thoughts to help you. You should always thank them at the end, send them a handwritten thank you note after the interview. This is part of developing a partnership and ongoing relationship with the members of your community and your program participants. Now, my last piece of advice is something that I think a lot of people don't do, especially if they're working in a nonprofit and they aren't doing research that is under institutional review board's mandates. So that's what academics have to do when they are doing research. But I recommend everyone do it. So before you do your interview, you should have an interview script that just tells them, you know, you have the right not to answer any of these questions. You have the right to revoke your responses later. You can tell them what you will be using the interview responses for. So that might be social media, that might be in grant proposals, and make sure that they're okay with the different ways that you might use the recording or the written version of their responses. You also want to have them sign a consent form. So you want to make sure you get their signature and the date on a form that says that you are allowed to use their responses in these specific ways. You could also have two check boxes, one that says, I want this anonymized or one that says you're free to use my name. Now, this is different if you're working with children. There are a lot more rules around that. You have to have parental permission, et cetera. But for the most part, you probably are going to be working with adults. So in that case, if they're 18 or older, they get to decide how their words and information can be used. Then you should keep the consent form on file with the digital recording and or your notes. Since I have done so much academic research in the past that involved interviews, I will actually link an example consent form for you. It's going to be pretty technical because it was for my research, but you can simplify it as much as you need to to make it work for what you're doing. So check that out in the show notes and in the blog post that corresponds to this podcast. 
All right, now let's start to think about other ways that you can conduct interviews besides one-on-one. One-on-one interviews do have some limitations. Like I said, being asked to participate in a one-on-one interview might make some people feel nervous and like they're being put on the spot. One-on-one interviews are also time-consuming, both for you and the person you're interviewing. Besides conducting these traditional one-on-ones, there are a number of other methods of learning from the community you're serving. So here are some of my favorite. One, a community listening session. They're nice because you can hear from many people at one time and in one place. So instead of coordinating schedules for 10 individual interviews, you can set a time and open it to as many people as there are seats. People might also be challenged to think about and respond to other issues in a group setting that they might not have thought of in a one-on-one interview. Community listening sessions are also particularly effective at the beginning stages of developing a new program. You can focus in on one need by learning about their priorities as a group. The second type is a community brainstorming session. In this session, your nonprofit could host members of the community in this brainstorming for new program designs. Like I said earlier, no one knows the needs better than they do, so invite them to come think of not just what problems they're facing, but how they would like to see them solved. And finally, encourage your community to document their needs and experiences creatively. And it doesn't always have to be with you there. So this could take some resources that not everyone has, but you can always invite members to write about, film, or photograph their needs and experiences. This type of exercise will help you to challenge and adjust your perspective, which is probably in many ways one of an outsider. You can also have participants do this as they go through your program. For example, at each phase, you can invite them to do a short video recording in which they talk about their experience in and reaction to the program. And you can just set them up in front of a camera and have them do it on their own so they don't feel like they have to answer specific questions that you have designed, but can tell their own story in their own way. I've even seen people do activist documentaries in this way. So it has so many different applications and it's really putting them in the driver's seat of what they tell and how they tell it, which is a huge part of community engagement. All right, to wrap up, interviews are one of the best way to practice community engagement, develop a relationship and partnership between your nonprofit and community members. Interviews can do a lot for your work, from helping you to develop more effective programs, to improving the emotional appeal of your grant proposals and marketing materials. And if you want to learn more about the art of interviewing and how to integrate interview findings into grant proposals, I invite you to learn more about our comprehensive online grant writing course, Grant Writing Made Easy. In it, I teach members about how to collect and use data from many forms of primary research, including interviews. So if you want to know more about the course, click the link in the show notes. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Write Good Podcast, in which I will be talking about how to measure the success of your nonprofit's programs. And in the meantime, good luck with your grant writing. 